Have you heard the names Alfred Chestnut, Ransom Watkins, and Andrew Stewart? Let me say them again. Alfred Chestnut, Ransom Watkins, and Andrew Stewart. I want you to know those three names. and I've been thinking about these three men for nearly a month now as they were just exonerated for a murder that they did not commit after spending 36 years in prison since they were teenagers, since they were boys, young high school students. Today is an action step episode, and I want to pitch an idea to you that I have on how we can help boys and men, girls and women, people all over the country who are currently incarcerated and need their case reviewed and advocated for in a very serious way. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. My best guess is that about two-thirds of you listening to my voice right now were born after 1983. That's 36 years ago. Well, 36 years ago, in November of 1983, three teenage boys, just high school students, who had never been old enough to vote, never been old enough to serve in the military, to buy cigarettes or alcohol, had never learned how to drive a car, get their license, never had a chance to apply for college and wait for the acceptance letters. Three teenage boys from Baltimore named Alfred Chestnut, Ransom Watkins, and Andrew Stewart were arrested for murdering a boy they never saw. They never knew him. They had absolutely nothing to do with this young man. His name was DeWitt Duckett. He was just in middle school and ended up being shot and killed in his jacket A starter jacket with the logo of Georgetown University on it was stolen. Alfred, Ransom, and Andrew never saw DeWitt, never took his jacket, never touched it, nothing. Alfred's mother, though, had bought him an identical jacket weeks before the murder. Now, if you're not aware, Georgetown University was very popular in the 80s because they had powerhouse basketball teams coached by John Thompson with superstars like Patrick Ewing and Dikembe Mutombo. Patrick Ewing went on to be the number one pick in the draft. And in the Baltimore, D.C. area, Georgetown is in D.C., in that area, Georgetown was huge. Alfred's mother, Alfred was one of the young men who was later, later arrested for this crime. Alfred's mother still had the receipt for the jacket. She'd even found the person who was at the register when she purchased the jacket for him. The jacket didn't belong. Alfred's jacket never belonged to DeWitt Duckett. In fact, there was no evidence, no hair, no blood, no no gunpowder residue, nothing like that that would have been on the jacket. No evidence that the jacket ever belonged to DeWitt Duckett existed. In fact, Ample evidence existed that the jacket was purchased by Alfred's mother. The woman she purchased it from at the department store testified to this. But they pinned the murder on Alfred Chestnut and his two buddies, Ransom and Andrew, anyway. 
They forced witnesses into false testimonies. And they illegally withheld mountains, hundreds of pages of evidence that would have easily proven that these three boys were absolutely innocent. And sure enough, because they suppressed evidence that would have exonerated him, forced people into false testimony, and ignored witnesses and their accounts that said they had nothing to do with this, the boys were found guilty of murder, convicted, sent to prison for the rest of their lives. You have to understand, I'm 40 years old. In 1983, I was four. My wife was two years old. Barack Obama was an undergraduate college student at Columbia. The internet, cell phones, and social media didn't even exist yet. Ronald Reagan was in his first term as president. And like that, the boys were sent off to adult prisons, some of the harshest places in the world. These boys were sent off to adult prisons to spend the rest of their lives there. And every day, every week, every month, every season, every year, every decade that went by, these boys knew they were innocent. They knew they were enduring the unspeakable pain and horrors of prison for a crime they had nothing to do with. All three men said that every day in prison was hard. And these men spent 13000 141 days behind bars. Can you imagine missing the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, and almost every year of this decade that we're in right now in prison for a crime you had nothing to do with? Well, had Baltimore's district attorney, Marilyn Mosby, not formed a conviction integrity review unit which is a new office that she created and oversees with staff and experts who review prior convictions that are believed to be on false evidence or lies or corruption. Had she not created this office and had these men not heard of it and sent their petition to her, these three men would not only still be in prison, but they would probably die in prison. This will be the ninth exoneration of Baltimore's Conviction Integrity Unit under Marilyn Mosby. And it's the only Conviction Integrity Unit in the entire state, right there in Baltimore. Of the dozens and dozens of other counties that could have them, only hers has it. Mosby cited the unit as her ethical and moral obligation to uphold justice for everyone, including the accused. Conviction Integrity Units, they're sometimes called CIUs, They are prosecutor-based units dedicated to overturning cases of actual innocence and wrongful conviction, and they are increasingly being used by reform-minded prosecutors to re-examine cases where innocent people, most often young men of color, where they were put behind bars as a result of prosecutorial or police misconduct, In St. Louis, for example, right now, this case is going on right now, Circuit Court Attorney Kim Gardner, who I love, has petitioned the courts for a new trial for a brother named Lamar Johnson, 
who if you are from St. Louis or have family there, you'll know this case well, because Lamar's case has been in the public eye now forever. She is petitioning the courts for a new trial for Lamar Johnson after her conviction integrity unit uncovered overwhelming evidence of his innocence. Philadelphia DA Larry Krasner has secured 10 different exonerations since 2018 after he relaunched and expanded his office's CIU. In a press conference following the hearing in which those three men were released there in Baltimore, Marilyn Mosby, who I know, apologized to these men for the grave miscarriage of justice that led to so much pain and suffering that these men and their families experienced, and she vowed to support their reentry into society. And here's what she said. She said, tomorrow, these men will wake up to a world that they do not know. We owe them more than their freedom. And to that end, Mosby announced the launch of her Resurrection After Exoneration program, and it's a beautiful program. It's a collaborative program which will work with other agencies and entities to ensure that exonerees are connected to the services and support that they need. She also committed to fighting for legislation to standardize compensation for exonerees, compensation that is particularly critical for people who are going to find it difficult to work or just survive in society after they've been robbed of the opportunity to get an education, to gain job skills, and just to understand how to function in the world. These men are going to struggle. And that takes me to a very big action step for today. Let's go. Action, 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 steps, take action, 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 steps. Over the past few weeks now, Gosh, time has flown by maybe over the past month and a half. I have received probably over a thousand different emails, um, messages on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, direct messages, text messages and phone calls from men, women, mothers, fathers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, children, of people who say that their loved one has been wrongly convicted all over the country, everywhere. And it's, it's gotten, I mean, people, it all happened because people saw the work that we did to stop the execution of Rodney Reed. And when people see somebody that's willing to fight for them and fight for their loved ones, they latch onto it. And, and I've, it's been this way for me for the past five years in particular, as people have seen me fight against police brutality that's why anytime somebody experiences police brutality, I'm often one of the first people that they reach out to because they've seen the, the work that I've done or, or that my friend and brother Lee Merritt has done. And over these past few weeks, I'm inundated with it. I mean, even it's, it's reaching my wife as well, where people are constantly trying to find her because they're desperate. And I just, I just want you to take a moment and imagine that your most precious loved one was arrested, charged, convicted, and sent to prison for a crime they didn't commit. Imagine it was your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your brother, your best friend, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiancé, 
um, your son or daughter, anybody, just imagine that somebody on this earth that you're crazy about, imagine they were sent to prison, convicted, can't walk out, can't just leave, can't break them out, convicted for a crime they had nothing to do with. Most estimates now suggest that 100,000 or more people are currently incarcerated for crimes they did not commit. Over 100,000 people. That's why now every single day, every minute and hour of the day, I am being inundated with people who are often begging and pleading for support. And here's what I know. I, myself, as one person, Sean King, an individual, like I, myself, I can't, I can't help all of these families. So I want to pitch an idea to you, and it's our action step for today. I want us to build something together. And over the next few days, I'm going to be asking you to join us. And here's what I want you to do right now. If you have not already, let me make sure I have this right. I want you to go to the Action Pack, theactionpac.com. Go to theactionpack.com and sign up. We're going to build an organization, a project. We're going to build something together that will not only advocate to have these conviction integrity review units set up all over the country, but we're going to build something together that can actually do the work. We're going to build something where we can hire attorneys and lawyers to fight on behalf of people who were convicted in cities or counties where there's no such unit available. Now, you probably heard me say on a previous episode that there are 2,400 district attorney's offices. Well, 40 of them have conviction integrity review units, 40. That means 2,360 of them don't. And I had an action step a few days ago where I asked you all to call your local district attorney's office and see if they do and then email me. And I got hundreds of emails from you. Almost none of them, of course. Almost none of them had the units. And so people who are convicted in those counties are just left to languish, sometimes hoping that an organization like the Innocence Project will take on their case. But the Innocence Project has a very narrow definition of cases that they can take. And we believe, I believe, that we need something larger, something national that can review every case that's sent our way and simultaneously advocate for conviction integrity review units to be set up all over the country. So listen, go right now to the action pack, the action PAC.com. And if you've already signed up, great. Feel free to go sign up again, just to make sure you get the emails. But if you've never done that, if you've never taken that step, that's how we're going to announce maybe early next week something big that we're going to build together and it's going to take all hands on deck to make it happen. I love you. Appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down.